You're listening to That Running Show, a show dedicated to running, racing, shoes, gear, and the people who make our sport so special. Now, here are your hosts, Matt and Matt. Okay, welcome to That Running Show with Matt and Matt. Matt Rizniski is away on sabbatical doing his Team Mad charities, which we love him for. Today we are with Eric Stearns from Integrated Rehab Services, right? Correct. Okay, so how are you doing today? We're with physical therapist Eric Stearns. Doing well, thanks. Okay, so basically we just wanted to go over a couple things, because runners kind of have an idea of what's good for them when they exercise, and you probably have an idea that's a lot different <laughs> in a lot of situations yeah, that like is, that. that is correct. Um, just a little background on Eric. He So I'm involved in a running group around the Manchester, Connecticut, Holland area. We're all devout runners who are going to be doing our 40 to 60, 70 miles a week. And he probably doesn't recommend we run as much as we do, but because he can't really reel us in completely there, he's basically trying to keep us from killing ourselves. And Correct. That's why I see most of you guys throughout right. the year. <laughs> and, be, and being able to walk. We keep him in business. So we're going to keep it simple and touch on a couple things that people uh, worry about. The most simple and probably the most important is before a workout, uh, I, have, I assume, it, Eric, it's probably most important during like a difficult workout, but... Stretching and warming up, why do we do it? What, what does that act do to prevent injury for us? Yeah, you know, a couple things on, there's been a lot of research over the years on stretching. Stretching, traditional stretching where you take a muscle and you hold it for a period of time, you know, does that really prevent injury? And in actual, actuality, it does not. So I don't typically recommend for, for runners to do a static kind of traditional stretching of your hamstrings, your calf. What we recommend now is kind of more of a dynamic warm-up where you can do some butt kicks, you can do some high knees, you can just do repetition where you're not you're not really holding that muscle. Right. What you're doing is you're warming that muscle up, getting it prepared, kind of like a spring. So you're kind of you're not you wouldn't want to take like a slinky, for example, and hold it for twenty 30 seconds because you would lose that that elasticity. Yeah. Rather, what you would want to do is warm it up. So you'd want to do repetitive movements or what we would consider a dynamic warm-up. And there's some specific activities for runners that we do. We do dynamic warm-ups for different sporting events, yeah. but for runners. So you're not, you don't want to dissipate all that energy. You want to store energy. And stretching itself, static stretching, doesn't prevent injury. It so, does not prevent injury. There's, no, there's no, nothing out there statistically that'll say, if I stretch... Then I'm gonna I'm not gonna hurt injure myself. Or people say if I did if I only stretched I wouldn't have pulled my hamstring. Nah, that's not the case. So I guess why are we stretching though? Because I know I know in track and field that I would hold my hamstrings close, and I haven't even begun doing jumping jacks or bouncing up right. and down. Not no jogging, nothing. And I'll still do that. I had a big race Friday, and I'll hold. And sometimes I try not to let it get painful, but I try to keep the legs straight, hold it, and get down. I really feel like I got to get a deep stretch, and I know that helps. I, I could be wrong. I feel like that definitely helps my performance. Doesn't it? Does not it does help not, the performance. So why help. stretch at all? Well, because you think that it helps. That's probably the only reason that I would say go ahead and do it. Because 
subconsciously you think that if I stretch, I'm going to, I'm going to do better. But actually there is some research to say that static stretching will actually decrease performance. No so, kidding. So reality is you probably should be doing more of a dynamic ballistic kind of bounding. If you look at a track at, you look at somebody who's running the, the hundred meters, right? Before, yeah. what are they doing? They're bounding, they're jumping down, they're moving. They're not just standing there. I do that so also. That stores energy. Yeah. That's going to increase your performance. Whereas static stretching will probably dissipate some of that energy and potentially may actually decrease your performance. And it's certainly not supported that it's going to prevent any injury. Right. But warm, warming up and jogging around seems like it would be more likely to burn energy versus stretching. But no, that's, you're, it's you're the not, opposite. It's the opposite because you're not you're really storing energy there. You're not yeah. dissipating it there. And you're doing light. We're not talking about a really aggressive activities. We're yeah. talking about just light bounding, maybe some march, some soldier walks, some butt kicks where you're just kind of warming things up and storing that energy. And you're not really taxing anything. That- so it's... Yeah, it's not good. And static stretching, and the biggest thing for patients that, that I see that have been stretching for thirty or forty years, yeah. they don't want to change that. And and I usually don't. I say, yeah. look, why are you stretched that way? Well, I stretch that way to prevent injury. Well, let me t- explain something. It's probably not preventing your injury. Right. If you truly believe that that's going to help you, then I'm not going to change that because I think there's some there's some validity. To like you know what mind over matter type of thing. So let them do that. But I will try to say, look, you may want to try some dynamic warm-up, those things that will actually help you from a performance level. That's what I'm going to do now. I'm going to spend less time with my, like, trying to get my nose down to my heel, trying because I'm not that flexible. Let's switch topics. Let's go on to, this is overwhelmingly plagues me. This plagues everyone I know. I've been in here to see you, and you've treated me uh, superbly for it. Um, The back... Lower back is connected to the hamstring. The hamstring's used a lot when you're doing fast. I know you know that I do interval training and we do 5Ks and 10Ks. That's real fast twitch. Does your lower back hurt so badly because it's connected to the hamstring? Yeah, it's probably, I mean, when you talk about that whole, you know, hip, low back, hip, hamstring, that whole complex, with runners, because you typically you're doing the same sagittal straight forward motion over and over again, you develop some muscle imbalances. Yeah. So what typically happens is what we call a lot of runners, we see a lot of hamstring dominant. So their hamstrings are overworked and their glute muscles and their core muscles aren't worked as well. So that's where you get muscle imbalances. So now all of a sudden you have ha- chronic hamstring problems because your hamstrings overdevelop, overworked, where your butt muscle and your glute muscle yeah. needs to be stronger. So that's a typical runner's posture. And then that influences and put stress on your back. So that's why I like to recommend for all the runners cross-training, doing something different. Because rather than doing the same thing over and over and over again, you develop those muscle imbalances where one group is more dominant and takes control, and other muscles, like typically your glute muscles, they get weak, and your lateral hip muscles get weak, and that's when you develop those muscle imbalances. And then that's going to trans... Trans, um, that's going to put that additional stress on your spine. Okay, no, no, that makes sense to me. And then, I mean, I almost wonder, like, if you were, if you had a week where I was doing a lot of hills, and and I know this is not what you're suggesting, but if I had a week that I was doing a lot of hills and working the glutes more, that might be a week where I notice my back pain slightly sure. less because I'm evening out. Sure, the, or run them sideways. The, so then you are, then you then you're right. avoiding or or actually zigzag, go side to side motions as you're running forward because now you're working your lateral hip muscles. 
and you're working your glute, not so much putting all that constant repetitive stress and strain on those hamstrings. But that's a common problem for runners. See it all the time. Because I do, I do other, I do biking, but it's very a couple miles here and there. I do cross country skiing, but it's a couple miles here and there. So I haven't really gotten into doing it, balancing it out a lot. And it, it always comes down to that. It's how long always. can I push the hamstring? And then I take a couple months off for the winter and then I'm back in. In 22 years in treating um, orthopedic sports medicine patients, I'll tell you, I'll see 10, I'll see 100 more runners, but then I'll see a triathlete. Yeah, because triathletes are doing different things. They're cross training. They're giving that muscle group a rest, so they work other muscles. But runners, like I said, keep us in business. So. And what? So assuming so, somebody's going to cross train a little bit better. They're going to focus on their quads a little bit more because they've got so much forward motion. What are among? And I know you can't really show them because we're doing a podcast. Right. But do you would suggest basic dynamic stretching before and after to to prevent a lot of this? Yeah, definitely, definitely before. Um, Lunges, lateral lunges, um, lunges with twists, incorporate the core. And you're not holding these things. Um, a soldier walk where you're standing and you're just kicking your legs straight out. Right. Butt kicks where you're just kind of trying to hit, hit your butt with your, with your feet. Those are some of the dynamic things that you would do. Leg swings, side-to-side -side leg yeah. swings which will help with the IT band, which we'll talk about a little bit later. Yeah, I want to get into the IT band as well. We'll do that one next. Um, so I think that was basically it. I just was trying to think. Oh, the other thing I had about that is, so if I do my run, and I know that it's realistically running's my thing, I'm an active person, but if I want to make sure I'm compensating properly, can I do my run and then take a medicine ball and do like, like say I'm bent over and then I lift so I'm straight up like this, like do exercises like that that would strengthen yes. the lower back and, and, and then maybe something for the quad as well, maybe some weights with the quads? Yeah, there's certainly plenty of core exercises and things that you should be doing. Strength training, you know, a lot of runners would say, oh, I don't need to really strength train. Well, you should because that'll, that'll focus on those other muscle groups that you're neglecting or not working as much with your run, and you should do that a couple times a week. I think that certainly would, would prevent injury and also, again, tax those muscle groups that you're not utilizing. Okay, good deal. Let's move forward. So we mentioned the IT band. I, I, for me, it's all about the hamstring, and that's my back pain, and that's my whole life, and then, and then just managing the time for it all. I don't know anything about the IT band. I see these, you know, those rollers, those yep. sticks, and everybody does that, and everybody complains about that. And now you see people putting tape on their legs and compression socks, which I got to ask you about. Is that all IT band related? Well, yeah. I mean, when you see that and you hear people rolling their IT band and what the IT band is basically a band of connective tissue. It runs from the top of laterally on the side of your hip, okay, on your pelvis, all the way down to just below the, below the knee laterally. All right, so they when people have IT band problems, a lot of times they'll set they'll, hip to knee. It's, hip to knee. It's a ten, it's a tendon. It's connective tissue. It's a connective it's a band tissue. of connective tissue. It's not yeah. a, um, that attaches there. And what happens is it basically becomes shortened over a period of time. Now, and people will roll it to try to lengthen it to make it feel better. Um, but really, you have to go to say, okay, why is it shortened? Why is it tight? And the reason is is because it. It works when it shouldn't be working. Right. So your lateral hip muscles, the muscles on the side of your hip, right. those are the ones that get weak. Again, you're not working those muscles when you're running and you're going straight plane, sagittal yeah. plane motions. So you're not working those as much. So what ends up happening, they get weak. Now, our body, we're going to accommodate. Our body's going to compensate. And so the IT band, that connective tissue that's attached to a muscle is going to try to help stabilize your pelvis. So when it does that, what happens when something overworks it's going to get short and it's going to get tight. Yeah. So you can stretch it 
And then you can manifest by having lateral hip pain or having outside knee pain, yeah. which is common. So you can stretch it, and that's fine. But unless you strengthen your, your, your glute muscle or your side, your lateral or your side hip muscles, that's the underlying cause. Those muscles are weak. That's why the IT band decided to work hard. It's trying okay. to help out. So stretch it great, but you have to do lateral hip muscles. Good deal. Out. No, that's very helpful. A quick one I had for you. And this one, I think I may have asked you when you've had me in working on my legs and stuff before, but ice or, or, or hot? Whatever you feel comfortable. I don't think the general public has any idea over there, There's things in this world that we'll never figure out. A, is milk good for you? B, is it okay to have a glass of wine before bed? Is that good for your heart? And C, do you use ice or cold when something's sore and messed up? Well, what is, what's the deal? What's going on? <laughs> yeah, I know. that It's so confusing. The, you know, historically, we're like, oh, the first 24, 48 hours, put ice on. Mm. You know, and then after that, you can switch to, you can switch to heat because you don't want to, you don't want to put, uh, heat on something if it's gonna it's gonna be inflamed, but reality is, you know what, heat or ice or whatever you feel more comfortable with. Both help. Both help decrease pain. That's pretty. Is that much all what, it is? That's pretty much what, how they work. You know. Do we, I need to know more than that? No. It, cold, cold nope. for some reason, numbs and heat heats it, or like it's just opposite extremes. That doesn't matter. Just, doesn't okay. matter. If right. you like ice, use ice. That's, Someone else likes heat, use heat. Doesn't that, matter. That's all I need to know. Nope. Okay, so let's move on to. I think we met. Me and my buddy uh, Matt. Oh, you'll meet at some point. I'm sure we'll do a follow-up, right? Next week? Sure, sure. <laughs> next year. I'll, how about next year? That's reasonable. A couple years from now. How about that? Oh, what was I going to say? Uh, so we've, we've been calling it planner's foot because it took us about three months to say fasciitis, yep, yep. which I still hesitate to say. Is that right? Well, it's actually the better term would be fasciosis. Fasciosis. So, so here I am thinking I'm right, and then you've thrown yeah, another you, yeah, wrench you, into my mix. Yeah, here. just when you just when you got fasciitis down, now we're gonna make it to fasciosis. Okay. Um, so last year at this time, we were doing the Wickham Park races in Manchester, and I had to pull out of uh, one or two of the races because I had what I referred to as planner's foot or fasciosis. Osis. There you go. Fasciosis. Fasciosis. I'm going to say it a few times fast. Fasciosis. Um, what's the deal? What's the gist of it? it you know, it's just the fa the plantar fasci fasciitis or fasciosis, uh, plantar fascia, is just basically connective tissue on the bottom of your foot. Um, what happens is it does, it's there to support the arch. Um, so anything that you have undue stress on your foot, lack of flexibility at your ankle, um, poor shoe wear, overtraining, um, biomechanical changes in your foot are going to stress that that fascia or that connective tissue. It's going to pull on the bottom of your heel, and then you're going to get irritation. And it's a de de kind of a wear and tear degenerative tendon um, or de degenerative connective tissue that causes your irritation. Boom! Then you get you know pain. You feel like you're stepping on a, a nail when you're walking. Yeah. And you're not walking, or at least, and then certainly not running. So that's pretty much what happens. Then you have to figure out again why. Why does somebody have that? Is there muscle imbalances? Is there is there improper shoe wear? Um, did they overtrain? Do they have tightness or flexibility or lack of flexibility in their ankle joint? Yeah. that's putting undue stress on that on that fascia and thus having pain. So I did a few things, and you can tell me yep. if any of them were right. So. Um... I laid off the running. I assume sure, that sure. would be your number sure. one. From an acute injury like that, sure. If it's, right. Yeah. I went to Dick's, uh, maybe five or six bucks. I get the plastic ball that's got the beads in it. So I'm kind of working that at night. Yeah. Is that is that a gimmick or is that okay? No, no, that's fine. You're doing some soft tissue mobilization, just like you would do the foam roller on your IT band. So yeah. that's basically what you're doing there. Okay, Absolutely and I'm fine. throwing a little bit of ice into the mix and yep. laying off. Or heat, whatever you want. And somebody, or heat, that's right. And somebody gave me... Uh, 
a plastic boot, which I thought was overkill, but I wore it like kind of at night when and I got home yeah. anyway. And what does that do? That just keeps you it, from putting too much more pressure on it? Well, what it does is it keeps when we sleep, right, our foot is going to fall down. So that, that fascia or that connective tissue on the bottom of your foot is going to get tight. Yeah. So by keeping your foot in kind of a neutral or 90 degree, that's what that boot is designed for, a night splint. You're not, you're not allowing that fascia to get shortened so then when you step first thing in the morning out of bed then you have that irritation so that's basically what it's doing but there's stretching that's one component that's one thing that's night splint that you can wear it's fine a lot of people find that very very mm -hmm. helpful stretching strengthening soft tissue stuff that you're doing um we do some dry needling which also helps kind of get some some things healing correctly there yeah so there's different different ways of inter intervention but the other thing too is it's common is people will say i just changed my shoes I'm I'm in I'm I changed my shoe wear so now I'm I used to be in a motion control shoe um, and then I wanted something lighter so I went to something with more cushioning well more cushioning less support more stress that then's play motion then control you mean being like more like more a firm, stable more, more stable, stable. Yep. okay so more it's stable. stable versus comfort yeah yep. but you're you're not a shoe guy but you recommend do would you would you recommend somebody get a more stabilizing shoe versus a comfort shoe it sounds like that's it, what I mean. well it just depends just depends on their biomechanics and so if you evaluate the biomechanics and again a lot of these specialty uh shoe stores they'll do that for you and then look at your foot look at your foot position and then determine hey based on your foot type let's match you with the right shoe wear yeah you know, okay. Rather than just getting a pair of shoes because they look good. Okay, we're winding down. One or two quick ones, uh, a couple questions, and then uh, about, about a minute or two, and we're going to wrap it up. So my buddy did want me to ask, um, there's a lot of runners um, who like running on asphalt. Big, heavy cars drive on asphalt. People walk on cement, yet, or, uh, but yet the sidewalks are far worse for you and harder and, and, and more. So do you just recommend people stay off the yeah, sidewalks? Stay off the sidewalks, um, stay, on, stay on the road. I, actually, ideally, you would want to be in the middle of the road so you respect the crown of the road, but yeah. that's probably not the safest place to jog. So um, just recognize there is a little crown on the road, so you want to make sure that you're respecting that when you're running. So yeah. you're changing it up a little bit, maybe on the right side of the road versus the left side. Just switch that it's up. It's funny because I ran down the yellow middle line the other day, and don't be concerned. It was in a race. The roads were closed <laughs> off. Normally, this is not the behavior I, I, I partake in unless I'm having a really bad day. But um, yeah, so but I did notice that it was more comfortable pavement sure. right down the middle of the road, and that's pretty much it. The only other thing I was going to ask you is, what would you say if you weren't treating the hardcore runners who are addicted on some? You know they're addicted, yep. right? Yep. You, you yep. understand yep. that? I, I do. I know the mentality. It took me a long time, but I think I figured it out. What now. would you say would be a reasonable amount of running for a person who wants to be healthy and fit? Well, I think, you know, you basically have to look at time versus versus if you're going to look at time, look at time. If you're going to look at miles, look at miles. Mm -hmm. um, you could certainly run four to five times a, a week. Not a, not an issue. Just as you start building up, just kind of respect like the 10% rule. So if you're building up, you know, if you're getting starting at 10 miles a week, then don't increase by more than 10 total uh, miles per week don't increase by more than that 10% for the next week and build up from there. You can go like, yeah, yeah I think four to five times a week. I think that's, that's fine. Build in a little, some longer runs, some shorter runs, mix it up a little bit with some tempo runs. I think you would be fine. Just when you start up in your miles, 
just be careful about not increasing that by more than 10%. Great. Awesome. Great talk. So today we talked to Eric Stearns at Integrated Rehab Services. And you've got branches in... Yeah, we're not all over Manchester, Vernon, Tallinn, Ellington. Okay. Um, so Highly we'll... respected. Everyone who I know who runs, especially those who compete, go to Integrated Rehab Services. Give them a Google in Connecticut. Um, and we said Manchester, Tallinn, Vernon. Vernon. We're in Coventry, South Windsor, Suffield, Enfield. So all, all in this area. Run safe, see your physical therapist, stay in shape. That's pretty much it. We'll see you guys next week on That Running Show. See you later.